What is up, guys? Welcome into episode 25 of Swimming Upstream. After a week off, Daniel and I are back with our weekly recap for the week of June 21st through June 27th. If this is your first time tuning in, in these episodes, we will go level by level, pointing out key contributors that impressed us at each, and of course, taking your questions. Before we get to that, though, Daniel, we will soon have another level to recap. Tuesday, the Marlins began short season play in the newly named Florida Complex League, formerly the Gulf Coast League. The Marlins system will be taking on the Cardinals, Astros, Nationals, and Mets from Tuesday until the end of the minor league season. We got the rosters on Monday, Daniel, and to be honest, I'm excited about this this youngest level of the Marlins minor league system. This roster is really solid. It's highlighted by some of our top 100, arguably my favorite prospect at the forefront in the system is Jose Salas, who is our number 15 prospect. You got Evan Fitterer at number 28. He is starting the season on the DL, but he will be there eventually. You got Brady Encarnacion, our number 34. Ian Lewis at 41. Number 81 is Christian Rodriguez. You got outfielders Jorge Caballero and Yandel Paulino. Cuban lefty Sandro Bergallo. Countrymen of yours, Daniel. In pitcher, Jesus Zabaleta and many more. 17-year-old, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to get to this level in more depth as, as the season goes on. But but just just your your, your main um, takeaways, Daniel, from, from this roster that they have set up there in the FCL. It's exciting, man. Um, by the way, I did – it did hurt my soul – not being able to join you for the uh, Jake Eater interview. Uh, I'm glad uh, I did get some questions in there. It was a great interview. For those who haven't heard it yet, please go back to that episode and uh, and um, just listen to it. Enjoy it. Great kid. Um, but getting back to, to this, the FCL roster, there's a lot to like, man. There's a lot of the DSL guys from the last few years that are pretty exciting. Several pitchers in there that that um, look to be very interesting. The, the Delvis Alegre, Mario Doble, those those kids did pretty well in the DSL and are now trying. Will be trying out stateside. Um, we all know about Brady and Garnacion. Uh, Bargallo, the Cuban young man, he looks to be um, like a very very good solid piece. A lefty, throws hard. So the pitching, it's amazing. Infielders, I mean, come on, you got Salas, you got Ian Lewis. Um, and then even the outfield, uh, I saw that uh, Javion, do you think that's, I'm pronouncing it correctly, Javion Cody? Yep, Javion um, Cody, yeah. Yeah, he stole three bases first game. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Let's see Jorge Caballero try, Caballero try to do something there. Uh, finally, try to get some consistency. Uh, keep your eyes on Richard Roman. Um, that's a guy who did really well in the DSL in 2019. Yoel Yo- Sanchez, uh, a really um, um, athletic center fielder, very young. The Marlins give a good solid bo- bonus for him. So there's a lot to like here. Um, I believe we do have a question about this, right? Uh, maybe we can uh, get it get it over with. Um, yeah, definitely we do, and it's it's from it's from your brother uh, Marcelo, who's of course is is a great follower, and uh, obviously a great baseball mind, just like yourself, Daniel. But uh, he had a question for us uh, with the FCL starting. Who do you guys think will stand out? He wants an infielder, an outfielder, and a 
pitcher. So I will let you go first on this one if you want. All right. Um, I know you're going to grab Salas. So for the infield, <laughs> I'm going to do Ian Lewis. Um, I had him as a just – I imagined him because, again, we haven't seen this kid play. He was um, signed in, in 2019, I believe, and we just haven't seen him play. So I just had him as an extremely quick, solid infielder, uh, slap hitter. I mean, first game, he already hit a bomb. So extremely excited about him and what he can do. Um, so I'll go with him for the infield. But by the way, he's from the Bahamas. He's an ex- like a little brother for Jazz. Um, yep. So <laughs> exciting. Number two, by the way, <laughs> he chose number two uh, for for his FCL um, jersey number. In the outfield, I'm going to go with, oh man, Jorge Caballero. Uh, this kid, 2018, he hit the, you know, just, killed it he did so well but then 2019 he just disappeared he appeared as active but didn't really play it was it was pretty strange um and then he was assigned this year but didn't play everybody i ask say that he's a great hitter like hey keep your eye on him and just you know see what he can do but he never plays so i'm really just uh, interested in seeing what he can do and seeing if, if, if there's something there and pitcher, um, I'm going to go with, for the pitchers, I'm going to go with, um, yeah, Bargallo, uh, Sandro Bargallo. Cuban already spoke about him, uh, talked about him. He's a lefty, hard thrower. I think he's going to end up as a reliever, but it just, you know, he just looks like an interesting kid. I'm really excited to see him play, see what he can um, offer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll give you guys uh, three other ones. And, and, and Daniel already mentioned my, my first one, which is Jose Salas. This guy is our number 15. We're both really, really extremely high on this kid. Um, he's a middle infielder. I think he will eventually move uh, to, th- to third base. Uh, but man, this kid just, just has it all. I mean, he was lanky when, he, when, when the Marlins first got him. You know, he's starting to add some muscle. We already see his, his power tool coming out, even though he has this limited size. When he rose into his his frame, man, this kid's going to be so so good. I mean, yeah, there, there's just not enough that I I can say about about Jose Salas. I, I'm very excited for this kid. I, I think he's going to be a, a quick riser in this organization. So yeah, that that's my infielder will will be Jose Salas. That's going to be one of the big names that that we keep an eye on here. Of course, um, I'll go to my 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 um, my outfielder, and it's going to be Yandel Paulino. Um, this guy is in, in our top 100, and he's been so, so good so far in his in his minor league career before this season for, uh, for the Marlins. You know, he started to play in 2018. Uh, if we look at his career numbers before this season, he's already a 271 hitter with, with five homers. He's got 47 RBIs. He's stole, stolen 11 bases. Uh, so, yeah, th- this, kid's, this kid's just solid. You know, he's a, he's a righty-hitting outfielder, 20 years old, 6'1", 193. Tons of time to grow into a frame as well, but uh, just does a lot of things right. I, I really like his swing from what we've seen from from videos of him overseas and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, re- really like um, Yandel Paulino in that outfield, along with Caballero and, and others, Javion Cody, who, who Daniel mentioned as well. That's a good outfield, man. I, and there, there's a lot to be excited about in, in that outfield. Um, I guess I will say for my pitcher, we'll, we'll go to Brady, who, who Daniel also mentioned. 
Uh, this guy just keeps climbing up rankings, already has a 40 grade changeup this young in his career. Great command tool. Primary breaker is a curveball, already a 45 grade curveball. And he's so, so young in his career, well advanced for his age. So yeah, really excited to see, to see what Brady does. Fan graphs, we know it is, is really high on Brady and Carnacion. And, and for good reason, because he's selling so many tools at, at such a young age. So yeah, really excited to see, see what, what Brady does here. Uh, so yeah, th- those are going to be my, my three guys. Um, we can get to one other subject, Daniel, and we had some news on this today, but I want to address it on, on the podcast. And we know that you are all over this news with, with Luis Palacios. Dude, like, where has this guy been? Um, today, we, we got some news. Um, you know, he was not assigned to, to the FCL. And then the question in my mind when I saw the Rogers come out, I was like, okay, where, where, is, where is, is Luis Palacios? And, and I posed the question to you and you kind of dug into it a little bit deeper and, and you came, came across it. I mean, this guy, he lit up the DSL and GCL since he's done it since 2017 with just, just video game numbers. This guy has a career 1.49 ERA, 0.78 whip, 14722 KBB in his career so far. So just to not see him so far, we, we, we talked about this on previous episodes about how he was late getting back into the United States had some difficulties there with, with, with the, um, with the COVID protocols and everything else. But you finally got us some news, Daniel, that he's, he's finally back and he's expected to, to begin his, his, his um, full season career, I should say with, with the Jupiter hammerheads likely this, this coming week. So yeah, like I said, we both expected him to start in Jupiter. He didn't do that. Um, but now he's, he's going to eventually join Jupiter, hopefully this coming week. So just your thoughts on that and how excited are we to see Luis, who's well inside of our top 100 to begin his full season career? Man, so excited. Uh, I would have gone crazy if, if they would have assigned him to to the FCL. I mean, this guy, uh, let me see here really quickly, his, like, his, his career. Um, this guy, he was signed in 2016. That's five years ago. He didn't play that year. DSL 2017 killed it. DSL 2018 killed it. GCL 2019 killed it. That's all rookie levels. That's 16, 17, 18, 19 rookie level. And obviously lost season 2020. We need to see him play. I mean, we that's it. And, and we need to see him being challenged as well. So I was very happy to find out that he is starting um, at Jupiter. Uh, he should be pitching this weekend and i just i want to see him play against against just older competition and then to see if, if his stuff holds up um he's a great kid and, and i'm pretty sure he's going to do well yeah definitely agree just just absolutely ab- absurd numbers um, there in the overseas leagues in, in dominican and then starting in the gcl in, in 2019 so we we are both very very excited we're both really high on him and, and for good reason good lefty arm got a multitude of pitches good breaking stuff really excited to see to see Luis come to uh the the command if if you want to know something about Palacios I mean he does have his stuff it's the crazy command you know it's guy doesn't give out walks he he just puts the ball where he wants let's see if that translates to to upper levels and that's the thing that, that a lot of evaluators, if you read reports on him, they're like, yeah, we're not crazy about the stuff, but man, this is really what stands out. I, I like his stuff, honestly. I mean, he's got like three, four pitches, can throw them all at this young of an age. 
there, there's only one way to go and that's up. So yeah, I mean, I think the stuff will eventually meet the command and, and that's what we're looking at. It is a guy that, that isn't going to overpower you with velo, but just, just a good arsenal of pitches. And he's doing it so young in his career. I talk about that all the time, that guys that can throw their breaking stuff for strikes early in their career. That's a, that's a big, big advantage. And Palacios is, is, is no exception to that. And he's a lefty. So Man, we love to see it. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what Luis does with the Jupiter Hammerhead starting likely this coming week. So, absolutely. yeah, uh, that's going to be a guy we talk about. Oh, for yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, by the way, I didn't, you know, I didn't choose Fitterer here. Obviously, he's the highest ranked guy here for us in terms of mm. pitching. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't choose mm-hmm. him because even though he is listed here, um, he's probably, when he comes back, he's probably just going to, I believe. I don't know what you think, uh, Alex, but I think Vila's probably going to do some rehab starts here and then just go to Jupiter as well. I mean, I think he's Agreed. ready. Yeah, I, I think I think we were both expecting him, if healthy, to start in, in Jupiter, uh, as well as Palacios was another guy that we were looking at and saying, okay, well, this guy should should start in Jupiter, and then everything happened with him with exactly. him back and, and everything else. So, yeah, Fitterer, I think we'll get a couple innings in uh, when he comes up and then um, when he gets healthy, I should say. And then he should be a quick riser to, to the Jupiter Hammerhead. So exactly. I, I definitely agree. He was um, in the similar path than Makma, drafted in the same season mm-hmm. out of high school. So if Makma was, was assigned to Jupiter, he was probably going to be assigned to Jupiter as well. He just started injured. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to point that out. Do we have any more news about any any promotions or anything like that? moving on i think that's it for that's now it. for for the fcl <laughs> but man i'm excited for that team and it, it'll be too. it'll be a nice me to too. see those guys um those guys uh those guys get to it uh, after and, this long layoff so and we will yeah, those, those guys um we're going to be uh, including yeah exactly as daniel said we'll, we'll be including them in, in future uh weekly recaps we'll be keeping an eye on those box scores unfortunately we're not allowed out of those games right now so it's going to be um I guess a, a limit on a limited basis, but we'll try to keep you guys updated as much as we can. And hopefully as, as we get further and further away from, from COVID protocols, we're allowed back at those games. So we'll, we'll see what goes on with the FCL, but man, excited to see these kids that have been off for, for so long, get back on the baseball field. Great to see. All right. Um, I guess the other thing that we will get to, and this is going to be switching from the lowest level of the system <laughs> to the highest level of the organization. We got to talk about it. I mean, of course, this is a, um, a prospect centric podcast where we talk about guys that are in the system, but there's been a lot of news from, from the big league front. We're, we're going to get to it briefly, Daniel. I want to talk about it with you. I want to get your thoughts. Um, yeah. So, so of course the big news here is, is the trade. Um, the Marlins send Corey Dickerson and his expert contract, plus Adam Simber, a reliever, to the Toronto Blue Jays for veteran infielder Joe Panic and a prospect, Andrew McInvale. Uh, Miami also picks up half of Dickerson and Simber's remaining salaries. So took quite a bit to offload Dickerson's contract. But Daniel, man, I, I think this, this had to be done. The Marlins had to try to get something out of Dickerson and offload at least part of his contract. I think it was a little bit overdue. You kind of spoke to this previously as well. Word was from this trade that Toronto was looking at Dickerson since the start of the year. I really think that if he were traded sooner that, you know, his Babbitt fueled batting average, even though he wasn't hitting for power, uh, you know, and he was healthy at the time as well. That's the big thing. We, we could have gotten a little bit more or maybe have had them pick up a little bit more contract than we did. But man, I, I think the Marlins at this point in the season were, were lucky to get this done. Um, you know, so I, I think it's really a clear salary dump, dump on Dickerson. Uh, the most important thing here, though, Daniel, for me, the kids are going to play. 
Um, Panic coming in. It's going to allow Devers to go back to AAA when he's healthy. And Jesus, man, that opens a spot for Jesus. He's going to start every day for the Marlins in the outfield. So finally we get what we've been screaming for on previous podcasts. That's the biggest part of this trade for me is that these kids are going to play. So just your thoughts and takeaways really quick on on this trade that the Marlins performed. I agree. It had to be done. Um, Jesus needs to be, uh, you know, out there every day. Anything you could have gotten for, for Dickerson at this point, especially injured, um, you know, you had to do it. So, so yeah, I mean, it was a, I'm not going to call it a fun trade. It was kind of a boring trade, <laughs> but for <laughs> you, for yours and I, and my purposes, which is um, let the, the, let the prospects that are ready to play in the majors play and the ones mm-hmm. that aren't play in the minors, it works perfectly as you mentioned. Um, and I did like, you know, I, I think it was a good piece coming back. I feel we could have gotten more if we would have taken more of the salary, um, of Dickerson's salary, but um, it's still pretty, you know, pretty interesting piece that will bolster that amazing double A bullpen. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask you about that next. So you kind of hit on it. I mean, his stats look really good, man. He limits contact, good power stuff. I really like his slider. This is Andrew McInville, the guy that's coming back to the Wahoos or to Marlins. And then you will very likely from what we heard from K Mang be assigned to the Blue Wahoos, just going to make that great bullpen even better, man. So yeah, um, I think what he needs to work on is his repeatability uh, and his command and who, what better system to be in than the Miami Marlins to work on things like that. So yeah, it's a good guy with power stuff. Um, I think he has a, um, a mid to late relief ceiling. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about Andrew McInville on, on future shows. But um, yeah, a nice piece to get back. Even, you know, like Daniel said, we probably could have gotten a little bit more if we ate more contract or like I said, if we would have performed this trade a little bit sooner when, when, when uh, Corey was with health was healthy and when he was, um, you know, performing pretty well, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. A, tr- a trade that had to be done and uh, we'll see how, how they go from here. Um, Panic uh, did really well in his Marlins debut. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a, um, it's, it's a trade that had to be done and, and it's, it's, it's paid off in the short term so far. So we'll see how that happens. Uh, really, the, the last thing I wanted to get to you be, with before you, you go there, be, before, um, just super key stats on McInville, just so everybody's aware at double a for Toronto, um, 164 average against, which is, I'd say it's pretty elite 28 K's in 20 innings, um, which translates to a 12.19 K per nine, which is again, it's also pretty good. 1.29 whip because of the walks, 13 walks in 20.2 innings, which is 5.66 per nine, pretty high. Probably will want to bring those down, bring that down at 2.18 ERA, which is really good. Um, so again, solid numbers and he's young. I mean, he's, he's 24. Um, it's not like typical 28 year old reliever that probably would have been sent. So he's, he's on that, uh, Colton Hawk, Gunther, um, age range, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty interested to in see what, what this kid can do. Yeah. Definitely agree. And, uh, and like we said, a, a huge addition for that um, already great uh, Blue Wahoos uh, bullpen. So yeah, sure. uh, we'll see, we'll see how he does. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm sure we'll talk about him in, in future shows. I'm sure he will also enter our top 100 uh, once our next update happens as well. So yeah, um, I wanted to get to uh, 
briefly, a, a couple more with you here, Daniel, on, on the big league front. Um, let, this is obviously, you know, not the deadline. This is just the start of things, and the Marlins get a jump on it, but by trading by trading Dickerson, which, as we said, was 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 a trade that needed. If it was going to happen, it, it needed to happen for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, coming up to the deadline here, we're we're almost a month out, or actually almost exactly a month out as we record this. Um, what would we like to see them do? Listen, Daniel, Jeter and Kim Ang, they don't want to admit defeat. They're both competitors. They're used to winning, but they're nine and a half back in the division as we record this. And look at what they have in front of them. I said this on um, on Eli's uh, pregame show the other day. Look, look what these guys have in front of them. They got tons of tons of of, um, of division games coming up, including including six against the Braves before the uh, the All Star break, and then you have the Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, the, and the Nationals who are playing really well. And, and these are all before the, the trade deadline. Man, you know, being in this position, I think that they're one series loss away from being just completely out of this. They're nine and a half back. They have division games coming up against all of these teams that I just stated, the Phillies, you know, the Braves, the Nationals, and then all of these tough, tough teams with Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, all intermixed. You know, it, it, it's pretty much at that point where we got to call it. And that's not something that's easy for a competitor like Derek Jeter or even Kim Ang to do. But man, you eventually they have to look at it from the business side and say, okay, you know, this is what it is. You know, this team isn't what we thought it was going to be. And we're looking forward. So, I, I mean, I, I just want your thoughts on if you agree with that and, and where you think this team should be in the business sense as we approach this deadline. I think it is pretty clear that these guys aren't going to the playoffs, but I think it's fair for them to just put an ultimatum in and just say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, the deadline is the 31st. Um, if you want to stick with your brothers here, you know, you the, the, the team, if they want to stick with their brothers, then um, they're going to have to start winning some games, you know, and if they do, and if they're closer, you know, maybe somehow they get on a, with our pitching, this team can get on a streak. I, I do believe that. I really do. Um, we have some, we have great pitching. Our, our starters are amazing. Our bullpen, mm-hmm. believe it or not, is pretty good. The problem is that they are, they are horrible in the clutch. I, I don't know if you, if you saw that list or some formula, I think it's Fangraph's formula that um, calculates the clutchness of a bullpen and we're dead last. The Marlins are dead last. But if you look at FIP, if you look at Caper 9, you look at a lot of stats, we're up there. But for whatever reason, when there's a save needed or a hold needed, we, we aren't able to maintain. Um, so the bullpen is, is good. Uh, starting pitching is amazing, but the lineup hasn't been where it should be. And, you know, it's much healthier now that it was. So I do believe a, a streak could happen. If that does happen, then, yeah, they have to make some decisions. Um, but I'm with you in terms of that it's probably, yeah, it's probably over. Um, and if it is, they just need to make those tough decisions. I hope they don't because I, I have some money on on, on the over – 71 games won <laughs> but um but of course if, if they're out of it they're just gonna have to trade some some key guys i don't see what, what i don't see is is this trade um signifying that they're already sellers because i mean who did right who gave away dickerson who is um you know he wasn't in their plans anymore um, 
and they gave away um, Simber, who was pretty much our fifth inning guy or sixth inning guy whenever needed. You know, he he's not high leverage for us. He, he never was. So I don't see this as a seller trade. Um, I do believe we're going to be sellers at the end of the day, but I don't see that one as a seller trade. But yeah, I mean, th- those are my thoughts regarding regarding um, where we are right now. I do believe we are going to be sellers, um, but I think it's fair to just give them an ultimatum and say, hey, if you can do it, do it. Um, if not, then we're going to trade, you know, we're going to end up trading you guys. Exactly right. I mean, I, 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 I think I agree with you that I don't think this signifies that, okay, the Marlins are going to sell off all their pieces. This is a trade that, that, that had to happen. Like they, they had to try to get something out of that expert contract of, of Corey Dickerson who was injured. I, I think kind of, you know, along the lines of that they were lucky to get what they got. I think, as I said before, that they could have gotten a little bit more if they would have pulled the trigger a little bit sooner on Corey and called up Jesus Sanchez a little bit earlier, but here we are, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's June 29th and, and this is what it is. And I, I think that they were kind of fortunate to get what they got. So I think it's a good trade for the Marlins. I do like McIlvain as we talked about. And then Joe Panic. I mean, if tonight's any indicator, then he's doing pretty well playing for his, his childhood heroes team with, with, with Derek Jeter, which I got to ask him about earlier, which was really great. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it just is what it is right now. And, and and this was a trade that had to happen. And I think the Marlins are fortunate that it did happen and for them to get what they got. Um, the, the last thing I want to get to Daniel. And the only reason that I'm going long on the major league team is because we don't have a ton to get to um, on, on the minor league level, because it was kind of a, a down week for, for our affiliates. But the last thing I want to get to and we talked about this last time on the show, on the show, and, and it revolves around, around Sterling Marte. Uh, listen, Kim Ang, she says the talks are in the initial stages. We heard that from, from, from Craig Mish as well earlier today, that the, the talks are in the initial stages and that he expects that the Marlins will have an offer on the table for Starling Marche sometime this coming month in July. Honestly, Daniel, I, I think it's, it's now or never being right now to sign him at the deadline. Someone could approach Kim Ang with a prospect package, just, just too good to turn down. You know, and, and then if she does, at, you know, as the end of the season draws nearer and, and these days keep going by, you know, every second counts, I think, here with, with Starling Marte, he's going to start seeing those dollar signs. You know, we know he said that, OK, I, I want to be with the Miami Marlins, but, you know, we're not obviously we're not in his mind, but we look at this from where he is in his career as a baseball player. He's never been part of, of, of a, a big team. He was in Pirates. Now he's with, with the Miami Marlins neither one of which are, are a perennial contender, right? He's coming to the end of his career. Maybe this is his last payday of his career. And I hate to make it about money, but I, we, we got to factor that into the equation, right? So if the Marlins come up with an offer that, that is, is not to, to Starling's you know, liking, and he's, he's looking at, those, at the end of the season coming, he's looking at hitting free agency for the first time in his career, you know, will he say yes to taking a pay cut to stay with the Miami Marlins who are probably at least, I, I mean, honestly, it, it, as much as we have coming, Daniel, and we talk about it all the time, realistically, this team is at least two years away from competing. And is this guy going to sign a two, three-year contract in his age 30s seasons to stay with the Miami Marlins? I, I think there's there's some debate to be had there. I mean, we do know that he said that, that, that he wants to be here, which is awesome. We do know that he's good with our kids, which is great. But is he going to take that pay cut to stay here? I, I mean, honestly, Daniel, I think if, if, if we go past the deadline without trading him, I, I think we're, we're, we're taking a bit of a risk. What, what do you think on this? Um, do you agree with me? Um, 
So with Marte, you know, we discussed him about a month ago when when Craig Mish came out with with the story. Mm-hmm. Man, I think I think the Marlins need to try to win in 2022. I mean, I think you're right in terms of realistically they are maybe not ready. Um, but listen, you know, Sandy is is getting closer to arbitration and being a free agent. Mm-hmm. So is Pablo. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Several other pieces are as well. The Marlins need to start winning. You know, I mean, 2022 cannot be another losing year. Um, I think that, I mean, look at this rotation. So feast, feast yourselves, Marlins fans. Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, Sixto, whenever he comes back. Maybe he throws 130 feet <laughs> by then. <laughs> um, Edward Cabrera. And you got Peter mm-hmm. waiting in the wings. You got Max Meyer waiting in the wings. You got several other pieces waiting in the wings. But those five guys, those could be ready. That's your 2022 rotation if everything goes well. Um, if And now you have one year of Jazz. You have almost a year of Jesus Sanchez. Lewin Diaz will be ready to come up. Um, hopefully you still have Miggy. Maybe you don't. Brian Anderson will be healthy. Um, you know, you're, you're – you have other solid pieces there in the, in the lineup. You, if you add two bats and this time it's true. It's not the two bats <laughs> when Jeter fought the team. This time it's real. Maybe one via, via trade through, through your pitching and maybe another one through free agency. And you do keep Marte because again, we do not have a center fielder coming up. There isn't, there isn't help coming in center field. I mean, you either have to keep Marte or sign one or trade for one. Um, then I think it is realistic, you know? So I'm all, if the guy says he wants to stay, that doesn't mean he has to take a pay cut, but that doesn't mean Miami has to ask for a pay cut either. You know, our, our salary is payroll. is extremely, extremely flexible right now. Um, And, and, and I mean, again, you don't, don't overpay for him, but I think you try if, if for whatever reason, he's just asking for something crazy, then yeah, no, use that money for something else. But I think you do. I think they should try because they, they have to win for 2022. If they have another losing season in 2022, then that's it. I think, I think Miami really just loses interest in the team. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's your selling point as Daniel just laid out with all the Marlins have, have coming and pretty close to to starting Marte. I just don't think that they can get into a bidding war with these other teams, such as the New York Yankees, who really need outfield help. We're going to lose to the New York oh, Yankees. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna overpay. No, if, if, so, they want, I mean, yeah, if they want Starling, they have to do it now before he hits free agency, because after that, exactly. he's over. He, they can't risk it. I mean, hopefully try to sign him before the deadline. Um, right. You know, and that's, you, that's my point, right, exactly. is yeah, that yeah. – if, if, if it doesn't happen before the deadline, they're taking a big risk, you know, because this, this guy, as much as he wants, he's told Craig Mish that he wants to be here. And we, we understand that. And that's awesome. He's great with our kids. We love that. We want him here. Like we as fans and as, as reporters on this platform, we want Starling here, man. We, as Daniel said, we don't have a center fielder that's more than, you know, two years closer than, than he is. And he's one of the best players in baseball. But as I said, this is a guy who's never hit free agency. You know, he's, he's approaching maybe that last big payday of his career, never been part of a winner, man, if I'm in his mind and, and I'm not, but you know, just, just going based on how baseball players think uh, that that's a, that's a tough situation to, to gamble on. And if somebody approaches you with a big prospect package before you're ready to sign him, can you say no? 
they could, and I think they probably will, but you're, you're, you're taking a bit of a gamble, especially if, you know, you can't get a deal done, especially if you can't get a deal done before the end of the major league baseball season. So we'll see how they go. It's definitely a a, a telling point as we've talked about before for Kim Ang, Derek Jeter, Miami Marlins. They talk about this new day. This is a new franchise. This is a time you want to see it. So we'll see what they do. I think this is going to be a, a very big telling point. Is this just, you know, the, the same Marlins or is this a new day? And this is, this is the telling point for, for us as fans and, and reporters and, 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 and everybody that's interested in this Marlins organization. So that's all we have. That's all we have for now on, on Starling. I know that was kind of long, but uh, we'll go on. And we'll, our, we'll our, listeners, our, our listeners that are here for, for minor leaguers. Exactly. Like, what so are we'll these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. It's just the hot topics, man. It, it, it is. You know, it even is. if you're involved in minor leagues, we have to pay attention to this. So that that is what it is, and we'll leave it there. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll we go are, on. We are talking about possible prospect packages and, and, and what to do strategically in terms I mean. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and if they sign Starling, like who knows what they do with some of these prospects. So exactly. it, it, everything everything goes together, and that, that's what we're here for. So uh, that's it on, on the major league front. We'll, we'll, we'll go on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there for now. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it as, as the deadline gets closer, but that's it for now on that. And we'll go to our affiliates. And, and as I stated before, we spent a little bit longer on, on the major league front because um, not to say that there's not a lot to talk about in the minor league system because there always is, but our, our standouts are, 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 um, are fleeting this week, Daniel, I guess you could say. So uh, we'll get to it though. Um, we'll, we'll go from, from bottom to top as we always do. Um, as I said, rough week all around, uh, but Jupiter, uh, we'll start with them. They, they go one and five. They have a negative 27 run differential. Uh, they will stay in the Northwest Florida area. They were taking on Bradenton and now they will go to Tampa to take on the Tampa Tarpons and the Yankees organization, which has been one of the best overall organizations in minor league baseball. So they really don't get a break. Uh, we'll get to our standouts here though, Daniel, I will let you go first. Go ahead. Sure. Um, Dax Fulton. Uh, he Dax just keeps adjusting. Uh, results are starting to show, which is very exciting. Last week he had a you know 4.2 innings pitch to one earned run, two hits, three walks, six Ks. After those two rough starts to begin his his pro career, where he gave up uh, nine earned runs in, in five innings, this guy has you know he's he's pitched six more times and only gave up more than one earned run once, one time. You can really see how good he's going to be moving forward. He has uh, he now has a 10.67 K per nine for the season. He's not giving up hard contact, 53% ground ball rate. He just you know, needs to keep bringing those walks down. But remember, he's just coming back from Tommy John and he's so young. I mean, he's, he's 19 years old and he'll be for the whole season. So the biggest thing for him is just staying healthy. I really like what I'm seeing from him. He's, he's pretty much the only guy I had for Jupiter. I mean, one in five, minus 27 run differential. Uh, he, how would he start ruining my week? So, um, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be up and down. I, I think that's that's the case to be had with a lot of these um, low, lower tier players. We talk about the FCL. We're, we're going to see it there where these kids that are just growing with the game are going to be up and down. And I think it's the same in Jupiter, right? I mean, it's it's not far above our FCL level. Of course, those are guys just starting their careers, but a lot of these guys in Jupiter, like Yuri and you know other guys that we've talked about, are, are just now starting their career. So 
we're going to see those kind of struggles. And my guy, my first guy that I want to get to, I actually did manage to, but the first guy I want to get to is, is Cam Barstad. Um, and, and as I just said, it, it's been up and down, but the consistency for, for Cam Barstad, I think it, it may be coming and he kind of gave a glimpse for it this past week. Uh, he got four hits, including a homer against St. Lucie two weeks ago. This week, he gets a hit in all three of the games that he appeared in. Uh, and he has another bomb and a triple. So another homer and, and a triple for Cam Barstad. He reached base safely in seven of his last eight games. Brings his June on base percentage to 342. He's hitting 212, which doesn't sound great. But for a catcher just making his way in the game, and Daniel, me and you have talked about this in regards to, to Fortes, Banfield, and, and, and other catchers in the system. This, this is a big development because he's showing that he can gain some semblance of consistency at, at the plate. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's, that's big for a guy like Cam Barstead. Um, the, what you don't like to see, the, the strikeouts are still coming. Um, he does, ha- does have a K rate over, over 40%, and that's against single-A pitchers. That needs to get better. We talk about that with other prospects as well. So that's got to improve. But the walks are starting to come as well, Danny. He's got 12 walks this month, 21 on the season. Walk rate's up near 16%. So, yeah, Daniel, as we said, consistent offensive production is always the last tool most catchers are going to come by. And, and as I said, Barstad's no different. Good receiver, good arm, throwing out base runners at a 34% rate this season. Just 20 years old. Appears he's starting to find some consistent contact. If he's able to build off these last two weeks, work good counts, continue to see good pitches in the zone, continue to make good contact. Daniel, honestly, with, with, with Banfield struggles, and that's another topic in itself, I think this is a guy who could eventually hop Will Banfield as a younger guy who, who could be the, the top catcher in the system. And that's no knock on Will, but Will's really, really struggled last, you know, last minor league mm-hmm. season and now continuing into this season, showing some flashes, which we've talked about. But man, if Barstad's getting that consistency, I think you've got to look at Barstad and say, hey, he's the top catcher in the Miami Marlins organization long term. What do you think? Absolutely. And I love, you know, I love what, what, what we're seeing from Barstad. We've talked about it. High school catchers need more time to develop that bat. So much going on, receiving, throwing, getting to know all the pitchers, block, blocking. You know, there's so much to get on top of that every catcher will tell you that hitting is the last thing they think of. So he, if he's showing signs, you know, signs on everything, except maybe a couple of things that he can work on, that's very positive. So, um extremely excited about Barstead. Yeah. And, and the other guy that I'll get to quickly is a guy that's been throwing to Barstad a little bit uh, as a reliever, uh, Eli Villalobos. Uh, he's been really good for Jupiter since coming up from extended in mid-May. He got into two games this week. He built a scoreless frame in the first and two in the second game he played, including in high leverage and clutch spots. So this is a guy who's, who's really just starting to take off. Um, you know, he kept the, the, the majority of Jupiter's 24th, Jupiter's June 24th game, I should say, tied for two frames with a place runner and winning run at second base for two innings. Struck out two in the seventh and one in the eighth. He's got a 2.87 ERA and 15.2 innings pitch this year. 22.5 PBB, 1.15 whip. Uh, he's a two-pitch guy, really good fastball command. It's it's low 90s. He's not going to be the overpowering guy. He tops out at like 92, 93. But he can place it all over the zone, climbs the ladder with it for strikes, good spin and vertical movement to his slider, which is probably his best pitch. 
And the command is also pretty, pretty good on, on, on the slider as well. So just another guy out of that 2019 Batavia bullpen that we talk about, Daniel, they're all over the system right now. But I, I think Villa Lobos as a guy that started late, this is a guy who's, who's done pretty well. He, he's 23, a guy who we probably will want to see get pushed here pretty quickly. But he's done well to start his season. And, and I, I've really liked what we've seen of him in those high leverage spots, like I said. So any thoughts on, on Eli? I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, very, very interesting kid. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. I'd like to see how, how he um, how he looks like when he keeps being challenged by the Marlins organization. So, yeah. Awesome. So I think that that's it for, for Jupiter for this episode. Um, we'll go up. We'll go to um, single advance with Beloit. Uh, they struggle as well. Two and four, negative 12 run differential. They were part of a wild game, though, on Sunday. Daniel, I was following this game from across the street from one-to-one financial park, a ballpark in Jacksonville, over some pregame uh, food, <laughs> which was very good, by the way, thinking combined perfect game. Uh, after 8.1 innings pitched, Antonio Velez, who we will talk about uh, shortly, and Evan Brabrand, who we've talked about previously, they had an allowed a base runner. Then all of a sudden, with two outs left in the game, the Quad City River Bandits, they strike for, for seven runs against three different pitchers to tie. Uh, and then they posted a three spot in the 10th to eventually win 10 to seven. So a, a wild game. We've seen a few of those this year in this Marlins minor league system. You know, you, I'd like to really see, you know, Fangraphs has those win probability charts for, for major league games. I'd really like to see one you know, illustrated for that game because it was probably ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they come back on Saturday and despite putting up 12 runs, you know, they, they lose that game as well. So a bit of a deflating week from a, a win-loss standpoint and a competitive standpoint, which is what's most important for these Beloit snappers. Um, some, some great news to lift that organization up though. Uh, maybe not from a player standpoint, but just from an organizational standpoint, they announced that their new stadium, the ABC Supply Stadium, will hold their first game on August 3rd uh, of this year. So some great news for them and a huge congrats to, to Quinn Studer and company for um, for making that happen and, and opening a new stadium and getting that done during, during you know, COVID and, and, and protocols and, and trying to get things done. So yeah, that, that's a testament to them as well. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll let you go first here, Daniel, on your guy or guys that impressed you with the Beloit Snapper. All right. Um, by the way, extremely happy that George Soriano finally got his, his yes. motion. I mean, that kid's <laughs> been killing it. And, and, and Jupiter basically repeating a level two years later. And I was just like, when is this going to happen? He's, he's just showing some awesome stuff. He finally got promoted. So um, very, very excited about that. We have a question on him coming up as well, but before that, we'll get to our guys. So I'll let you go first. On, on All right, Kyle Nicholas. So after a string of rough starts, Kyle has now put up two good starts. The This last week's was especially good with 5.2 innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, one walk, eight Ks. Um, the week before that, he pitched five innings, one earned run, two hits, one walk, and five Ks. What's the common denominator here? No more than one walk in both games. So big. I mean, high walks are normally a sign of not a great game for him. Um, so he's now sitting at, at 4.62 a year, right, with a 1.33 whip, which, you know, seems pretty high. But he just he had just a tough, rough stretch there 
Um, but he has adjusted, which is amazing to see. That's exactly what we want to see from these guys. But still a tasty 12.69K per nine for a starter. That's that's pretty pretty good. So excited to see what's next for, for Kyle and, and, and then how he keeps adjusting to the league. And um, my other guy is, is Griff, Griffin Coinine. Um, Griff is such a strange case, man. <laughs> I put out a tweet on Monday talking about how I feel that the reason the organization didn't challenge him with a double A assignment um, to start the season was because they wanted to see him adjust in the strikeout department. Unfortunately, he hasn't. You know, he's still carrying a, I think it almost a 38%, you know, K rate, which is just ridiculous. At the same time, though, he's still making such a big impact. That's a 379 OBP. You know, he's walking a lot. 535 slugging, which elite. He impacts the the ball so well when he when he does make contact. which makes this such a you know just a strange situation. Um, so this week he had two home runs, five RBI, 385 OBP, 542 slugging, 926 OPS. I mean he strikes out a lot, but I mean he keep, if he keeps putting 926 OPS, is then I mean you just got to keep challenging him and seeing what seeing what's going to happen. I'm, I'm extremely interested in seeing how Miami handles him. Um, normally when guys strike out like this on the low minors it means that it's not going to get any better in the high levels. So it's just a big dilemma here, um, what to do with him. But I mean, I think he has the age. He just needs to go to a new level and, and see what happens. Yeah. Two, two definite, uh, uh, interesting cases that you bring up, Daniel, uh, George Soriano, um, super excited to see him finally get challenged. We know he started the year injured, uh, he had a rough go uh, in his first outing for the Jupiter Hammerheads, but since then he's been lights out, man. I mean, his last two starts are quality starts. Two before that, I think, were five innings with, with with less than three runs. So, yeah, I mean, it was time for this guy to finally get his shot. And I, I do think there's a spot for him, uh, you know, in that in that uh, that Beloit rotation. You could you can remove a guy or two uh, and, and put him in there. So I, I think that's where he's going. Uh, glad, glad for George. Cause man, he spent all, all of 2019 dominating for the Clinton lumber Kings at the low a level. And, you know, he, he was just waiting for this call and it's good to see him get it. Uh, we've talked about him before. Um, good fastball slider really needs to implement the change up more. Uh, we'll see how he does it uh, here with, with the, uh, with the blade snapper. So excited to get a, a better look at him. And then as you, as you mentioned, Daniel with, with, with Griffin, man, <laughs> The bombs are great. And I mentioned this to, to Peter Pratt on his podcast that he just had his hundredth episode on. I mentioned this to him that as great as, as the bombs are, and that's incredible. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome to see that he's one home run away now, uh, hit another one tonight, I think. So he has 15 bombs. He's one home run away, I believe right now from the all around minor league lead, at least tying the all around minor league lead in, in, in home runs, which is awesome. But man, you, you want to see that sustainable kind of stat line and with an over 40% K rate at low a, is it sustainable as he goes into the higher levels remains to be seen. Uh, that that's, that's, what's big. We've talked about that as we've, as we've followed Griffin here since he's joined the Marlins. Um, we'll see, uh, man, I, I, I honestly, me personally, I think he has to bring it down at least a little bit to the 30% range. If, if he's going to be sustainable against, against um, upper minors and 
but we'll yeah. see. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's it on those guys. Some, some good picks there from, from Daniel with Kyle Nichols as well. Nice to see him bounce back. So yeah, um, we'll see how those guys go and um, uh, see what happens here with call-ups in the, um, especially with Griffin in, in the second half of the minor league season. So excited. <laughs> we'll see what, how we go. It's some storylines to watch for sure. As we, as we progress, um, I'll, I'll get to, to my guys, um, Daniel, you know, I'm going to mention him, but I, I have to mention him again. Um, this has been now what, like four of our last six episodes where I've mentioned Troy, but <laughs> I have to mention Troy Johnson. Yeah. yeah j- just keeps on hitting this week, this past week, I should say, nine for 25. He's got a hit in each game of the series. Prolongs his hit streaks to 16 games. He's been on base in 19 of 20 games this month before tonight for the Beloit Snappers. He's hitting 352 with a 1.143 OPS for Beloit. He is the best player in the Marlins minor league system in many offensive categories, including batting average, which is 351, OBP, 433. He's the best active minor leaguer in the Marlins minor league system, second to only Jesus Sanchez with a 589 slugging percentage and a 171 WRC plus. So man, just, just looking at those numbers, let's look at it. MILB wide uh, before tonight's game, seventh in batting average, 27th in on-base percentage, 22nd in OPS and 17th in WRC plus. He has a 197 WRC plus since joining the single A advanced Beloit snappers. Daniel, the guy's going off. I mean, I, I could lay out more numbers, but I think that 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 paints the picture. <laughs> the question here is how sustainable is this and when is there a come down? What you look at that makes you say maybe there's a come down is the lack of line drive percentage. I was talking to your brother Marcelo about this. His line drive percentage is 20%. However, if you look at his home run fly ball rate, it's 25%. A quarter of this the balls that this man has put in the air have gone for homers. And per the batting average, he's also barrel up for hard hit grounders. He's finding holes. He's gaining bases. He's taking his walks. So, I mean, yeah, the walk rate, it's, it's right where it is from 2019 to Batavia. It's, it's right around 11, 12%. I, you know, I mentioned this last show that the hope is that he's not sacrificing patience for power. And it doesn't really look like he is per that walk rate. The only thing I point at that would make me think, okay, there, there's a slight come down coming. It's the Babbitt. The Babbitt's at 397. But even if Troy comes down to a 310, 320 batting average from where he is at 350, 352, that's that's fantastic for this unheralded hitter that comes out of Gonzaga. You know, he's, he's a late round pick. And you don't really expect him to do much. And, and, and here he is, man. And th- this guy's one of the best stories in the system. We've mentioned it many times. It's a well-advanced hit tool. It borders on 55, 60 grade. Only tool he really didn't have previously was the power getting that now swing is great stays back on the ball works good counts gets his pitch great knowledge of sequencing just the guy who keeps getting better and better and better man and with each passing week you know he just keeps appearing here in our show and you know it's it's just that that kind of guy that that just coming out of nowhere and that 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 great find by dj svalik and and company here for the miami marlins so I'm really excited for Troy, man, as you can probably tell. But uh, any thoughts that you can add on, on Johnson? Absolutely. Listen, Troy Johnson is legit. I mean, I minimized it a bit 2019 because he was, I remember, 22, 23-year-old college kid just beating up on Batavia, as I did. Same thing with Nick Reddy. 
Um, but he has been doing what he has done this season, two levels for two months. You know, you don't see that with anybody. Like you see guys who are normally very good, have killer a week, maybe two weeks, but you don't see this. I mean, two months at this level is just, he's showing that he's here to stay and that he is legit. And I'm going to say it, he kind of deserves a promotion to double A. He's going to say it right now. I mean, I don't care that he was just promoted. Um, he has the age. He clearly has the bat. Um, he's He has the versatility. He can play the outfield at first base. So why not? I mean, I mean, I love what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Uh, we did have one question, I believe, uh, for the Beloit Snappers. But before that, um, since we each only have one guy for, for – for double A and triple A I'll, I'll give you a, a picture that, that has kind of stood out to me and it's Antonio Velez. Uh, this guy along with Troy was part of our, our prospects of the week on fish on the farm, which I posted earlier this week. Um, but yeah, Antonio Velez has been, has been good, man. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of appeared on, on our radar a little bit. Uh, I believe I was a bit higher than you on him in our consensus rankings. Um, and I think that kind of shows why here now, uh, you know, even though it's a little bit into, into the season, uh, you know, he struck out 100-plus hitters in each of his last two collegiate seasons. He went undrafted in 2020 before being signed by the Marlins, uh, stayed in shape by playing overseas this past winter in Puerto Rico, and now he's hearing, he's doing pretty pretty well, Daniel. Uh, this week, he's a lefty. He gets two starts, 10 innings pitched, allows just two hits on one walk and seven strikeouts. In his second start, he dealt uh, five perfect innings. He was part of that. That, that game that I talked about before where the snappers were had a perfect game through 8.1 innings pitched. But yeah, Velez, a guy with with three pitchers, fastball, curve, changeup. Velo really isn't that overpowering, but the command tool is what sets him apart. He works pretty much all over the zone. He can both paint and go out of the zone to get uh, swinging strikes. Works good counts, limits contact up to about 93, down in the 70s with the arcing curveball. So good Velo separation that I always like. Pitch placement and pitcher's IQ are his strengths. Really like what we have seen from Velez with Beloit lately as he adjusts to these pro hitters. Remember, this is his first stint against pro hitters, as I just stated. So a pretty good first impression here from Antonio Velez. He just turned 24. Could see him getting pushed if the success continues because 24 at single advance, you, you know, you kind of want to see it, even though the lost season, you know, kind of went against him. So a guy I could definitely see climbing in our consensus top 100. Daniel, uh, any thoughts on Antonio Velez? Um, he had an amazing week, you know, he pitched twice against the same team and, and, and showed he can show he can be a starter. Um, so, so just good things to see. And, and, uh, I just wanted, wanted to see, want him to keep doing it because we haven't talked about this, but the, the Beloit rotation is struggling. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not Nicholas and, and McCambly, but, but. Zach King, um, Hoing, I never know how to pronounce his name, um, but <laughs> those guys who were relievers and were turning to starters who are doing well to start the season have been really struggling. That's why Vela's got a, got a chance, obviously, also because Alberto Guerrero was promoted, um, became a reliever for, for double A, um, but he got his chance and he's taking advantage of it. 
So, I mean, if he can keep showing us, he's, they're going to keep giving him opportunities to start. Um, so, yeah, really good collegiate career, and then let's see where he takes us. And a good segue there from, from Daniel on the struggles of the back end of this um, of this Beloit rotation. Obviously, you got, you know, McCambly and, and Belez, which we talked about, who are doing well. Uh, Nicholas as well, who, who Daniel mentioned earlier in the show. But uh, uh, just to go back to a guy that you mentioned earlier, Daniel, with um, with George Soriano, we had a question on him uh, from Beloit Rockers, our, our friends at Beloit Rockers on, on Twitter, and they want to know more about him. And we, we kind of mentioned him a little bit already, but their question is, um, you know, they're, they're curious to learn more about him. What should Snappers fans be expecting from him? And what would we like to see him work on in single A advanced? Um, I guess I can go first that, that I kind of stated it before that he has a really good fastball and slider combo, but if he's going to stick as a starter, he really needs to start adding in that, that third pitch changeup. And he's started showing a little bit here with, um, with, with the hammerheads. Um, it's still a little bit nascent, I would say. I mean, from what I've seen of it, just in, in person, um, you know, just, just the placement of it and the movement. Um, that's what he really needs to gain if he's going to stick as a starter. I, I've talked about him before, Daniel, and I know you have as well, that I, I think the more likely scenario for him at this point in his career is that he goes to the bullpen. But, man, he's, he was great in Jupiter, and uh, I'm excited to see how, how he continues here with, with Beloit. And as we've talked about many, many times, if there's one system that can develop a third pitch, it's the Miami Marlins. So just, just your thoughts here on, on George, and uh, do you see him sticking as a starter or is it bullpen? The slider. It's the slider. That thing is beautiful. Um, quick story on that. I know this is, we're, we're going long here, but it's a really interesting story. <laughs> 2019 spring training. Um, I just, you know, I just went, went to Jupiter a couple of days and went, went to see the, you know, the kids work out and then play some exhibition games. And, and George was, um, he was just sitting watching. She's, you know, sat there with him. We, we, we spoke. Great kid. Um, coming out of, of the GCL, I believe, uh, or actually maybe DSL at that point. And I was talking to him, hey, how is stateside? You know, you, you're coming here. How is everything going? He's like, well, I mean, it's fine. It's a bit of a shock. Um, and obviously didn't know a word of English. Uh, it's a bit of a shock, but, you know, the coaches have been nice and, um I told him, so, hey, how's your stuff looking? And he's like, well, I mean, fastball looks good. The slider, they want me to change a few things, and I'm not, I'm not that comfortable with it. Um, and, you know, I told him, hey, listen listen to them, talk to them, communicate, and, and, and see what happens. Well, he pitched 2019, and it was a bit underwhelming. He was – he was um, – challenge uh he was supposed to go to batavia but he ended up going full season he went to to clinton and stayed there for the for the whole season um it w results were a bit underwhelming you know 7.45 k per nine 1.32 whip not amazing um so i'm not i'm not sure what he ended up doing with the slider then you know if, if, if he if he if he um took took the the um the advice and and went with it and was it wasn't as great or if he didn't listen to them, but now <laughs> he clearly changed something um, because this is a completely different Soriano. This is a Soriano that misses bats, you know, 12.44 K per nine. Um, that's 
you know, five strikeouts more, five full strikeouts more than in 2019. Um, you know, lower whip, lower ERA by a run. Obviously, he's repeating a level, so we have to see how how that this translates to high A. But this is a completely different player, and and I want to see how how he looks in high A. But just to share that little story with you guys, um, and and regarding if he's going to be a starter or a, or a reliever, I mean that's his floor. You know, reliever is his floor. Super cool, super good uh, fastball, amazing slider. I mean, we know he'll be able to do that. Um, but as you mentioned, Marlins are experts in, in, in adding third pitches, whether it's it's a, another breaker or a, a changeup, um, maybe maybe a cutter, you know, something interesting pitch. But let's see how he does, man. I'm, I love, love that kid. Yeah, still just 22 years old, so he's got some time. And, you know, he's, he's going up against guys that are uh, – probably slightly a little bit younger than him and, and, and uh, or a little bit older than him, I should say, and, and, and single advanced. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm or at least at, at his own age level. So yeah, that, that's a good spot for him to be at. Um, we'll, we'll see how he does. And um, if they can build him as a starter, then that's just, just more starting pitching depth for the Marlins. But yeah, that reliever floor is, is definitely present at, at Daniel Merchant. So excited to see how, how George does. Uh, thank you, Beloit Rockers, for the question. I, I hope we answered it sufficiently, and um, I would definitely be excited to watch uh, to watch George uh, out at Pullman and then, of course, at ABC Supply as, as the season gets going here. So, yeah, uh, that, that's going to do it on, on, our, um, on our coverage for this episode of, of the Beloit Snappers, uh, and we'll go on. And the reason why we spent so long on these, these previous levels and, 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 and the, and the uh, previous levels of the minors that we just covered is because um, we each, I think, only have one guy uh, for for double A and and triple A, but we'll go to double A um, for the the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. They go two and four against Birmingham, negative fifteen run differential. They will next go back home and have started uh, that series already as we record this against the Biloxi Shockers. Uh, just a few bright spots for us in this series uh, past Daniel, uh, mostly on the pitching side, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> So I, I did get two. I did end up grabbing two with, with Burdick and uh, Ed Cabrera. I mean, Burdick, okay. I just had to mention because it's such an interesting <laughs> week for him. Uh, all slugging, no OBP, uh, three home runs, five RBI, 831 OPS, horrible average in OBP at 200 and 231. <laughs> but I mean, that, yeah. that's how hard he, he hit the ball, that he still got his OPS to 831 with, with that average and with that OBP. Um, little by little, he just gets more acquainted with double A, so you can see the impact he can provide. Now he just needs to work on making more contact. He's sitting at 30% K rate uh, that I would like to see come down, but he is walking like like a machine. Still striking striking out too much, but just walking like crazy. Um, my other guy is Ed Ed Cabrera. He was just electric. Um, must see TV when he pitches. High 90s, wipeout slider, nasty changeup. He has the body, the presence. Um, if, if he stays healthy, we're, we're talking about a top of the rotation starter for Miami when, when he develops a bit more. Um, but this last week, he pitched six innings, zero in runs, three hits, all singles, zero walks, nine Ks. Um, biggest number for me, though, in that line is six innings. That's, that's what's important to me. Uh, just see him go deep into a game. Um, again, I'm just giddy about this guy and, and what he means for the future of the Marlins. Yeah, 
definitely agree. Burdick's, um, you know, uprising since a little bit of a slow start when he was getting his feet wet is fantastic. Uh, and then Eddie, man, <laughs> just can't argue, um, you know, it's fantastic to see. Um, even though, I mean, I know we may be getting ahead to next week, but we saw him pitch tonight, Daniel, in Pensacola. And just to mention, he didn't have his best stuff, and he was still able to keep the team in the game. I'm sure we'll get to that next week. But uh, since we're recording this late, I, I just wanted to mention that, you know, even though this guy doesn't have his best stuff, he's he's still able to stay competitive, and, and that that's huge. So, yeah, uh, Eddie is going to be special for sure. Um, I, I think mine's the easy one. <laughs> it was our last guest on the show, which, uh, Dan, you had some great questions for, which I included in the episode. And then, uh, you know, Jake's answers were fantastic. He was great with us, uh, as I mentioned in the episode through uh, – I know it's some, some technical difficulties and everything else. So, so a great kid, uh, really, really impressionable guy. It was, it was great to meet and talk to him and then to see him go out there again and just keep dealing. Um, it, it's fantastic. I, I really like this kid, man. Um, just, just, I think he snubbed was definitely snubbed from the futures game. I mean, <laughs> no discredit to Max Meyer. He deserved it, but um, I think, I think Jake deserved it as well. And I think just the pos- prospect pedigree is kind of what held him back. You know, he's not as big of a name as Max and the Marlins senior representative. But uh, I think I think Jake Eater definitely belonged in this futures game. But Absolutely. in place of that, he goes uh, six innings pitched, one earned run, four hits, nine strikeouts. Uh, earlier this this past week, he sh- now struck out seven plus in eight of his first nine big league starts. Beautifully mirrored KBB: seventy one strikeouts, seventeen walks, twenty eight point three KBB. That's top twenty five in all of minor league baseball and seventh in Double A. Already had the fantastic fastball command wipeout slider. We talked to him on our show, as you guys have heard, about the changeup, which he continues to gain confidence in and throw in high leverage counts and gain a better feel for it. Learning how to soften his grip on that pitch was what I really took away from, from that uh, interview with, with Jake. It's just a guy who continues to do everything right, progresses so quickly at double A to begin his career, which I can't say enough about in his first action as an affiliated baseball player. Just can't say enough about Jake, man. And Daniel, as I said on the episode, it ain't going to be long. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. That kid is amazing. Awesome. So we'll go up. I think that's all we have for for um, for, for Pensacola for now. We'll go up. Our last level is is Triple A Jacksonville. Um, I had the opportunity to trip up to see this club for the final three games of their series against Durham this past week. Uh, great place to watch a baseball game. That that that's the first thing to get to before we get to anything you know team related. It's a great setting. I also got to explore the the Jacksonville area, which I've been to the stadium before, but I really hadn't get gotten to explore their community. Uh, it's a great community, man. The, the the community is really baseball oriented. They have great fans there. Uh, they have a great beach accompanied by some really good seafood, which I posted on Twitter. You guys might have saw that. Met some great people, really enjoyed my time there. Uh, Ken Babby and the entire Jumbo Shrimp staff, uh, you know, Scott Kornberg, all of our friends over there, they do a really great job and they put on a great show. They had fireworks two times that I was there for their early, early Independence Day celebration. So my thanks to them for a great experience that I had there the, the last three days that I was there. Um, but on the baseball side, we'll get to that. This is what it's about. A, a rough week for them uh, the past in this past week, but things were, are looking up. You know, they just got back Wayman Diaz from the MLB club. Uh, Joe Dunand is beginning a rehab assignment. You got Jose Devers, who should go back to them when he's ready to come back. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Brian Avaretto, he was back with them tonight as we record this. 
uh, here uh, today. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just a team that, that's looking up. They've, they've had a lot to draw from. They've had a lot drawn from them, I should say, from the Miami Marlins who go through their injury worries. But yeah, I mean, their lineup's getting better and that they're getting back some of their guys. So yeah, it's a team that, that continues to be on the rise. And I think it's going to get better as we go here into this, into this uh, rest of the season. But yeah, I think we each have just one guy here, Daniel. I, I will let you go first on yours. Yeah, that was it's, it's rough um, for those guys with injuries and call-ups. And I mean, whew, it's finally, you know, now the lineup is, is coming back. Um, but for a while there, man, that was rough. I mean, I literally, you know, like me, like I consider myself an avid prospects especially for marlins watcher and you know i know the players there were like three guys on, on that lineup that i'd never heard of <laughs> that's hard i mean i have no idea who zener is z-e-h-n-e-r yeah. um but yeah that's uh, so it was rough uh, but again they are they are coming back and they deserve it as you mentioned it's such a cool fan fan base um for, for that organization and they're in uh, finally a triple a and it's, it's really just a cool environment. Um, they deserve it. Um, I have only one guy this week and it's, it's Gunther. He continues to impress um, reliever uh, just kill it this season after dominating a double a, you could even argue that he has been doing even either better or pretty similar at triple a, which is hard. Um, he has simply looked amazing. This last week, he pitched uh, three innings, no runs again, two hits, zero walks, four Ks. At AAA, he now has a 0.90 ERA, 10.90 K per nine, zero walks in 10 innings. Uh, I was hoping to see him being called up after Simber left, but he'll have to wait a bit longer with Okert um, being called up. And he did well, by the way, so that was good to see uh, Okert. Uh, not a prospect, but still good to see. I do foresee Miami trading um, several relievers moving forward in the next month, so he can definitely get a chance shortly. Um, so you, you saw him in, in person this weekend, Alex. What do you think about Gunther? Yeah, man, I, I really agree with you that it could have been um, Gunther over Okert, but I, I think, as you said, um, prospect versus non-prospect, you know, you got, you got Okert with the age, he's around 30 years old, and uh, Gunther, who's a younger kid, just got called up from double A for the first time. So they, they went with lower risk, um, you know, over over the the bigger, I guess, prospect or only prospect, I guess, because I guess Okert's not a prospect. But yeah, um, I really liked Gunther, man. I, I, I We've talked about him before. I really like his curveball. Um, you know, fastball is also good, can place it. Um, it's another guy who's not really heavy velo, but I mean, man, when he's placing his pitches, he's, he's good and he can get swings and misses out of the zone as well. So it's a guy who's, who's, who's middle to, to, uh, to late relief, uh, most likely middle relief, and he can go multiple innings because, you know, he doesn't really throw too terribly hard and he's got good repeatability. So I like Gunther, man. I, I think he's going to be good. And as you stated, if, if the Marlins do decide to, to deal from, from their bullpen, which I, I do agree with you that they, they likely will, um, that, yeah, uh, Gunther's a guy, especially if the Marlins become sellers, which I, I also foresee happening, unfortunately, um, that um, that Gunther could be a guy that could, that could come up and contribute to the Marlins and, and potentially his big league debut. So really like him. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see him get pushed. I'm excited to see him continue progressing through the challenge and 
yeah, it, it's it's a guy who's, who's I think could be a, a, a contributor in a pretty good big league career. So excited for Sean. Um, I just had one, uh, Daniel, honestly, um, and it's it's tough to still keep calling this guy a prospect because of how old he is. I guess it's on the same level as as Eddie Alvarez because of how old they are and where they are in their career. Um, this guy uh, had a great career in the Cuban leagues, which is why he's how old he is and just now coming over to the United States to play baseball. But um, it's Lorenzo Quintana, who is maybe a, a name, like you mentioned, that a lot of guys may not recognize, along with Zach Zayner, who the Marlins signed um, from the Yankees when they released him as an outfielder. But yeah, Lorenzo Quintana, um, the Marlins signed this guy out of indie ball. They bring him straight to AAA. Um, since then, he's been really good, man. I mean, uh, you know, before this uh, most recent series started, he had hit in nine of his last 10 games. As I said, he's a 32-year-old dude. He's been around the game for a while. Good defense at first base. Um, 13 for his fourth first 43 with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. It's a 321, 385, 393 hitter since the start of this season. Uh, he's a depth piece basically for the future, I think, for the Miami Marlins. But Miami, if Miami does fall completely out of it, I think it's a guy who could contribute. As I said, good defense at first, good swing, power first build, really hasn't wasted his at-bats, doesn't really strike out a lot. I, I, just, just, just putting it briefly, I like Quintana as a guy who could contribute to the Marlins late this season, either off the bench or, or maybe as, as the first baseman, you know, if, if things go a certain way with, with Aguilar and, and everything else. So, yeah, um, Quintana, I, I think it's a, it's a definite low risk signing. He had a good pedigree out of Cuba and, and, and man, he's, he, he's pretty, looks pretty solid. I mean, he's, he's old for that level, of course, and he's old to call a prospect, but um, yeah, uh, a solid grab there for the Marlins on a low risk basis. All right, guys. So I think that will do it for episode 25 of swimming upstream. It was a rough week for the Marlins minor league system. Uh, we did do our best there. And even in a rough week, I think this is important to point out, there's still some bright spots for, for this Marlins organization. And that's just speaks to the talent and, and, and level of um, level of depth that, that we have in this system. So yeah, uh, that'll do it guys. Great episode. Thanks for sending in your questions and for all the engagement for Daniel DeVivo and myself, Alex Carver, a great episode 25 of swimming upstream. We will be back with you guys next week for our next Monday or weekly recap. Appreciate the time and we will see you guys then.